Welcome to the Growth Enablement Madness Podcast, and I'm Jim Ward, your host, CEO of BrainCell, the growth enablement company. I'm absolutely mad about helping businesses grow and scale. And in this podcast, my team and I get a chance to talk shop with industry thought leaders about a variety of growth enablement strategies, stories, and technology trends. I'm happy that you're here, so let's get the growth conversation started. Hey, everybody. This is Jim Ward. I am CEO of BrainCell. We are a growth enablement company, and this is the Growth Enablement Madness podcast because we are mad about growth. We want companies to grow and scale, and that's what we're here for. That's our vision. We have another episode today of a great guest, James Ochoa. Hi, James. Hey. We're going to introduce you, but I also want to let the audience know that I'm joined by our co-host, Sarah Reed. I'm not letting her go again. She disappeared for a while. <laughs> She's back. I'm glad to be back. Thank you, Sarah. You're, you're like welcome, that. Welcome, James. Yeah. And then I want to thank our producer, Connor O'Keefe, for putting this all together. So a little bit about James before we get started. James, who's been in previous two episodes, and there are going to be links for you all to go back to the previous episodes. This has been our highest and fastest listening podcast. So it must be hitting home for a lot of folks. James is a LPC with over 30 years of experience. He empowers adults with ADHD through his unique consulting methods that tap into the imagination, life history, and inner resources. His insight-driven approach benefits diverse clients from executives to religious leaders in Austin, Texas, and beyond. James is the author of Focused Forward and is currently writing When the Shiny Wears Off, a book on managing chronic ADHD-related stress for improved relationships, career, and mental well-being. Did I get that right? That's it. That's pretty good. Right on target. Thank you. Well, thank you very much. So in our previous episodes, we've talked about how to manage employees and work with our colleagues with ADHD. In the first episode, we discussed what ADHD is and how it shows up in the workplace. In the second episode, we dove deeper into leaders with ADHD, the positive and the challenges and tips to manage ADHD. We're going to link both these things together in this third and final episode. So folks, I think this has been a very interesting topic for folks who are listening to it. It's real world. And it is also part of our vision is how to maximize growth and scalability, but through the human element rather than through technology or process. So very excited to continue our conversation here, James. Yeah, me too. So thanks for joining us again. Can you just tell us what are some of the signs one of your colleagues or employees might have ADHD and maybe how it shows up in the workplace? Sure. So when we're talking about ADHD in the workplace, again, you want to look at executive functioning issues. That's where ADHD starts, right? I've talked about that in the first podcast of our mm-hmm. series. That yep. This is an executive function under activity. So when you're talking about executive functionings, we're talking about the ability to plan, prioritize, evaluate, being able to focus and concentrate and stay motivated consistently on a pretty even keel basis within a norm. So when you see those factors start to be out of a norm where someone can't consistently focus. They can't evaluate or plan or prioritize. It's just they seem to be off a little bit in that. The challenge with any of this, Jim, is that executive function is disrupted for anyone, whether you have ADHD or not, by stress, career-related issues, mood, sleep. So sometimes you'll see some interruptions along this ability to plan or evaluate or prioritize things. 
but the person didn't sleep well the night before, or their child is sick and is in the hospital and there's a big stressor at home. And so there's reasons for some of this. And some of that gets into personal realms, which are a little sometimes dicey at work on how they affect work. So more than anything, so you got the executive functioning aspects, but then you're looking for the consistency of those things happening. So someone consistently is 10 or 15 minutes late to a meeting, and there's always a valid, very effective reason that they were doing something, overworked on something else, they were coming from another place. It could be for all the right reasons. That's not the issue. Because if someone's late consistently, there could be a time evaluation challenge. I don't evaluate in transition how long it takes me to get somewhere. But it could also be that I didn't set my priorities very well on how long something was going to take me that I was working on before I got here. Those are the kind of things that you have to kind of look behind the scenes on. And so those are some of the signs. You see this consistency of executive functioning being challenged from time to time. And it just stands out. You're like, hmm, this person, their IQ is really good, their performance and their skill sets. I really appreciate them. But God, they just don't seem to kind of put it all together into a package consistently. So there's something that seems to be off there. Generally, that's the executive functioning piece. So that's one end. The other piece I will talk about is kind of an, one of the overt signs or things you'll see is a high degree of hyperdrive, an enormous amount of energy, or impulse control. Saying things at the wrong time, it may have been a great thing to say, it just wasn't, we didn't need it right now, you know? So that hyperdrive and that impulsivity at times really stands out. And those two aspects, executive functioning kind of challenges and then the hyperactive impulsive kind of behavioral aspect are both components of ADHD that you can see in the workplace. You said the word dicey in the workplace, and I want to just go back to dicey. So I could see in a workplace where a manager just may not understand what's going on with the individual and could take a corrective action, which might not be a positive, might be like releasing the employee. Sure. So, gosh, that it is dicey. Absolutely. I, I've seen great folks that have some of the indicators that you're suggesting. And so what do you do as a manager? How do you support somebody? Right. Because a lot of managers will say, I don't have time for that. I just, it's more effort than I can put forth. Or So one of the real challenges on the ADHD spectrum is what's called misattribution. Something looks like something else, but it's not. Okay. Or something. I thought this is what was going on. So the first thing to do, if you're seeing some of these pieces as a manager is to literally ask in, in pretty much an informal conversation, Hey, I noticed this. You're late about 10 or 15 minutes to a meeting. Hey, do you have strategies for that? Kind of how do you think about that? How does that operate for you? So you're getting to understand their thinking a little bit because I'm a huge advocate. I'm an executive coach or I've done executive coach training. And one of the trainings I've done really looks at helping employees do their best thinking so that managers aren't managing and dictating as much as they're helping their people that they're managing to think better on how they do things. And so one way of doing that is getting into someone's thinking process. So what's happening there? Do you have strategies? You, I noticed that you're consistently late by three or four days on these projects. Can you communicate that to us? What's going on leading up to it? So you're doing a little bit of triage behind the scene on getting what they're thinking is. And do they have personal strategies to manage those things? Because sometimes it can be as simple as, and this, again, could be some of the indicators on the ADHD spectrum around executive functioning, with which is evaluation and planning in this case. 
someone may not have thought of a personal strategy on how to manage something. So it might just be a simple, what seems like an elementary conversation to say, hey, oh, 10 to 15 minutes. Well, have you tried these three or four things? What do you think might work for you? And then you're swinging back to them a month later. How are those working out? Okay. So there's more of an informal conversation relationship to it than there is a overseer model, kind of threat model, something's wrong here, okay? Because just as a side note, any stress at a higher level affects executive functioning for all of us, okay? Which is why we're all having executive functioning issues and why, and potentially in some ways, there's a lot of folks who think they have ADHD or they have symptoms of attention issues that feel like it because we're all under higher stress. Yeah, thanks, Sarah. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why I said that. Seemed appropriate at the time. (laughs) I think we should be thanking you. (laughs) I I don't even know what that means. I don't even know what that means. I think it's a two-way street myself. (laughs) Well, you may. (laughs) So you can look at it from two angles. One is from a manager's perspective, where it could get very dicey, where they think, you know, where they may have a great teammate, but sure. they don't know what to do and could cut ties. Or they could take your approach through the suggestion. And anybody listening, I would highly suggest that you have that conversation with the folks that uh, you see this in, because there's more behind the scenes. Typically, there is more behind the scenes than any human being, and we don't know what others are going through. But on the other side, for the person with ADHD, don't they have some responsibility to work on these things, find the tools? So tell me a little bit about what they should be doing, that other angle. Yes. Yes. Well, I think, first of all, any clients that I ever work with with the diagnosis of ADHD, one of my initial layouts with them that are really keys to me is that you're going to become more responsible for your diagnosis the more you know. Okay. Much of what happens within the diagnosis of ADHD, someone just is not educated or aware, they are responsible for doing that. Mm-hmm. But here's one of the thousands of catch 22s that happens on the adult ADD spectrum that's an evaluation planning effort to go learn about it. Okay. So it is something that someone is responsible for, and I hold people responsible for it without a doubt, but it's also something they need to make a specific plan for or a perspective on. So in this case, yes, they're responsible for how do I strategize at work? You know, how do I manage these things? I might have mentioned this earlier on in the podcast. In my book, Focus Forward, I note that my oldest son, Gabe, who works in Brooklyn, New York, is a great computer engineer, great entrepreneur in a lot of ways. And one of the strategies he came up with, with his overwhelm and anxiety and those things at work, is that he would do these little micro meditations I talked about, two, three minutes, those things. Mm-hmm. Well, he created a little flag that he would run up, a flagpole next to his desk that said, you know, I'm meditating. Okay. So it let people know he had his headphones on and he was had his eyes closed, but he was quiet for a reason. That's a personal strategy to inform and communicate. If you're going to be late to a meeting, text your boss, say, I'm a few minutes late. And then after the meeting, to me, the employee is responsible for saying, look, I know this has been an issue. These are the three things I'm going to try over the next 30 days and see how they work. And I'll circle back with you on them. That's, to me, a really effective responsibility measure for someone with attention issues that they look at. Where are the challenges? One of the things I talk about, and this is kind of a dovetail on both sides, Jim, someone with the diagnosis, I will encourage them to have these three to five minute, maybe 15 minute, but typically three to five minute informal touching base drive-bys. Hey, it's Tuesday. This is what I'm focused on this week. 
just want to make sure I'm on point. Anything I'm missing there, one, it's a sign of strength that says, hey, I'm paying attention to what I'm responsible for, boss. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And secondly, it allows the boss to say, well, hey, well, don't forget about X, Y, and Z. They're like, ah, that's really good because it helps them catch something from a memory point of view that they may have forgotten on the ADD spectrum, but it didn't come out of that I'm broken. It came out of, hey, I'm paying attention to my job and I'm just driving by briefly. These aren't long conversations. And I encourage people to have one, two or three of those a week with their boss. They're not hard and they're informal, but they keep those things that might be falling through the cracks or the perspective that needs to happen on a project in gear and it's a little bit like, oh, I can't remember the type of software development, agile software development where someone yep. is mm-hmm. getting the constant feedback. We do it. that, yes. Right. So it's similar. So there's a lot of those things that kind of go hand in hand. But that's what an employee or somebody with attention issues and their responsibility could do. What about the individuals listening, James, and they haven't been diagnosed and they're hearing like, the components that you're talking about and the symptoms, and they're like, oh, these are really resonating with me. At what point do you get evaluated or I don't know? And by who? Right. Yeah. Those are really valid questions. Generally, when you start seeing these patterns show up, and this is a little bit of an, I wouldn't say it's odd, it's, it occurs in an unplanned way for many adults. I've seen adults that are 35, 40, 45. They're doing fine in their life. Their strategies have worked. They've got a plenty of energy. Suddenly, they're getting a little bit older. They don't have quite as much energy. Something gets disrupted at work. And these symptoms really start to show up where they weren't there before. Yeah. Mm. If the symptoms show up and they're consistent, Consistent meaning three, six, nine months. Something's become really aware that something's not going away. Or I look back at my career and I see those symptoms have really interrupted me and I'm becoming aware of them at a new level. Then it's just important to go simply go look up a checklist, first of all, on the ADHD spectrum and see if there are things that really do make sense. It's like, okay, it seems to be positive. Then you look for an expert like myself psychologists will also diagnose, psychiatrists will diagnose in an interview format. My type of evaluations involve what I call very directive action-oriented work where someone's learning about their life, okay? And so I do an interactive dialogue in my evaluations. I just find that more valuable because I want someone to know who they are better by the end of it, not just that I put a spotlight on them. So they reach out for help. The symptoms have been there for a period of time. The other thing to do is to ask several close friends that aren't going to emotionally overreact or be disruptive with you, but people who really do know you on kind of what I call a heart-to-heart level and say, hey, have you ever seen these symptoms in me? Really, I'm really serious about this. And I have you kind of a candid conversation. Someone says, oh yeah, they've been there your entire life. They're like, why haven't you ever said anything? They're like, well, it's just part of your personality. So many people, it is part of their personality, but it hammers their potential and their bandwidth. They really can't quite close the gap on their potential or being able to get things done because of those symptoms. But if you've gotten feedback from some very close people near to you that say, yeah, those really have been a symptoms, to me, it's ludicrous not to reach out for help because you're learning something about, again, these are along the lines of what I call hair color, height, and weight. You're genetically oriented Mild, moderate, severe degrees are what you're born with and you learn to manage life's interruptions, things you couldn't have predicted, or responsibility measures like children, new career. I've been a great salesperson my whole life. And then I was at 
I was advanced to becoming a director of the salespeople and I completely imploded because I can't manage other people's details. I can manage mine. Right. Those are some of the things that could give you indicators that are like, hey, I want to go get some more help with this. Does that help? Yeah. So for the folks that are listening who are self-aware, and I think that's part of it, you got to be self-aware to understand that you have some things that are impacting your best life. Or you're getting feedback, Jim, that consistently is interruptive. Yeah, it's like something's going on here. Yeah, still have to be self-aware to be able to receive feedback because you're going to go, ah, (laughs) this this is is like I'm hearing this all the time. (laughs) Right. So you get that. And is there a place that the listeners can go to to go see what is on the list of ADHD? Just very briefly on the diagnostic list. So there is something called the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual Number 5. It's what the all psychological measures of challenge are. It's our Bible or textbook for counselors and psychiatrists and doctors that will give you diagnosis. So there's a DSM-5 criteria that you can look up on the internet. DSM-5. For ADHD. Mm -hmm. Now, The challenge with the DSM-5 is people read it is it's going to feel almost elementary sometimes or childlike because these are still childhood adolescent symptoms that we're laying over into adulthood. It's a much bigger story regarding why we don't have specific adult-oriented symptoms yet, but you can also look up adult ADHD symptom checklist, and they will be coded more for adults. Either one of those is going to do well for you to give you kind of a precursor on what this looks like. By the way, I'm willing to drop the DSM-5 that I use in the show notes if someone wants to look at it. It might make it really easy because I use one that's been coded for that that's easy for someone to look at. Because my goal here is to help those who employ team members as well as help those who might have symptoms to be able to get the best life. Right. To be the most effective, because I've met a lot of folks that are just terrific. They're creative. They've got all of it going on, but they've got some of the the things that we've talked about, executive functioning, the missing of the meetings late, things like that. But you go, but my God, they're good. These other levels. So that's the goal is to bring it all together. So once we bring it all together and each side, the employer and the individual, we all bring it together. What can we as an employer do? What, What accommodations can we make to help a colleague who has ADHD? What things can we do to help them succeed? It's a really good question, Jim, because one of the things that employers will be aware of, first of all, is that there is a reasonable accommodations list under the American Disabilities Act for ADHD. So their employees can come to you and say, I'm requesting reasonable accommodations. The challenge with that is it is full of a lot of logistics and details that are necessary many times in the workplace to have reasonable accommodations When I talk about reasonable accommodations or what employers can do or employees can do for themselves, I still like the informal method of like, okay, these are where I'm having challenges. I'm distracted easily. And so it's best for me not to be looking out a window. It's best for me to have my desk over here in this arena. Is it okay for me to wear my white noise headphones during work so that I can get work done And I'll put a little light here next to my desk. And if someone needs to interrupt me or talk to me, they can turn on my light. Oh, that's right. I can see it. You know, something like that that says, okay, I know how I need to concentrate and stay focused. And this is where I go back to what I've said earlier, Jim. It's like, check in with the employee. What's going on with you? What would help here? Because they generally know. And a lot of these are not 
overly complicated, helpful tools. There are things anyone's like, oh, sure, I'm happy to put up a screen over the window so it doesn't distract you. Oh, it's fine if you want to have a green kind of background that's okay with the environment of the office that really pleases you or helps you to work. It's okay. Let people personalize their workstations. I think it's helpful sometimes. And so that's how employers can help in asking and granting kind of informal accommodations and how you work with it. But more than anything, and we talked about this a little bit earlier, is manage the stress of the workplace. Look for ways to have a little bit of laughter, a little bit of at easeness. You know, we're all taking micro meditations one to three minutes throughout the day and just resetting our brains. We're doing something that is educating our employees about the need to relax the muscle of our mind, as I call it. We overamp the muscles of our mind. We are one of the highest producing countries in the world, right? But we are also taxing the mental state of our mind as a muscle is enormously overwhelmed most of the time. So you've got to learn to relax that muscle. So what employers can do, Jim, is really provide more of an environment that is less stress-inducing, that gives people a break, that kind of changes that and gives someone ways to manage that stress. That's great uh, information. Uh, it's funny, we have a room here, it is a mother's room, but I think we're going to transition it both to be a mother's room still, but to be a uh, meditation room where somebody can go and relax in a closed door, no distractions, no windows. So that's very helpful. If you want one suggestion for your room, yeah. this is going to help you, Sarah, since you're an employee here. <laughs> and creating all the stress, by the way. <laughs> and, Jim, and Jim's going to go, great. You, you just have me buy into the world here. A massage chair. Get a nice uh, it's on the massage list. chair. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it's on the, what do they say? I'm yep. telling you. Yeah. Yeah. And you have a schedule where people can get and schedule it. And I yep. tell you what, we have a massage chair at home. I encourage everyone to have one. Yeah. Well, you'll have to tell me offline what you bought because I've been looking at them. Absolutely. So it's absolutely something <clears throat> I've considered for that. I didn't want to mention yeah. on the show because then well, I get committed. <laughs> No, he took a survey of the team just asking what people would want. And that was one of, I think, the suggestions <laughs> yeah. from the team. Yeah. Which I love massage chairs. So, yes. yeah, tell me offline what you got and uh, where okay. you got it. But let's let the uh, team know, hey, I, I got to still fit it <laughs> under the budget. Right, exactly. Let's flip the coin for a second sure. uh, towards the end here. So I find that everybody brings their own personal person and they all have their pluses. We had a our DEI session yesterday. It's diversion, equality, and inclusion. And it was how people learn and how people communicate. And so everybody has their plus sides and what they bring to the table. So in that, I hope I'm saying this right and I'm not becoming confusing, but what are some of the benefits employees with ADHD bring to the workplace? What are their unique perspectives, for example? Yeah. A lot of those unique perspectives come in, first of all, natural personality that we all have. Okay, so someone is a little bit funny or they're at ease or they're gregarious and there's easy to make conversation. So, again, I'm really reticent to say that ADHD people have a special set of traits. Okay. And those guys, I don't think that's accurate. We have okay. traits that get accented or buoyed up by our attention-related issues like if you know me, I am a hyperdrive person and I have an enormous amount of energy. So I probably have twice the amount of energy of most people. Well, I get a lot of things done with good structure and routine. So someone being highly energetic, their ADHD is accenting that in a positive way. Okay. That hyperdrive could be a negative if it's not managed or understood well. 
So I like to think of natural personality traits that are accented potentially positively or negatively. So you have some that have a very high IQ with their hyperdrive or their nature of impulsivity of like really going for something and going the extra mile to finish something because they're really impassioned with it. Okay. And so they can use that to finish something and hyper-focus and really do a good job. Right. So you'll see those things accident. So there's a lot of positives because of the nature of how our minds work and operate. You know, if you know me, I'm very gregarious at work. I love talking with a lot of people and networking and connecting people. Well, that's critically important if I've got a customer coming in that needs to feel welcomed and a part of, well, I'm going to put that person kind of right up front or say, hey, show them around the place, those kind of things. That's how I see it, Jim. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does make sense because we don't want to uh, put people into, um, they're pegged into a box. Yeah, good point. So I, I'm hesitant to ask the next question now that I've <laughs> said that. That's okay, Jim. Go right ahead. Believe me, I've had them all. I may ask it anyway. Please do. You know, are there any individual circumstances that somebody with ADHD tends to perform exceptionally well in? Again, I think I'm sort of asking it as a... Well, yes. Generally, new ideas that are energizing and enthusiastic and have a lot of what's called shininess or interest or intrigue or adventure to them. Many people with ADHD like that because it's a stimulating effect on their mind and they really like those kind of things. So newer projects that need a good bit of energy to get started and motivation and desire and curiosity. And so they're great starters many times. They can be great finishers with good structure, routine, and consistency. But that's one of the biggest ones. And that's why you see, again, I may have mentioned that, you know, there's several studies out there that show very high entrepreneurial level of people who start companies. Many of them have attention-related issues or can because they're great big thinkers, okay? There's a high concept kind of nature of being able to see patterns and rules of effects and how things affect one another, It's actually one of the interesting things on the hyperdrive with ADHD with a high IQ. And high IQ is a meta-analysis, the ability to analyze something and its layers pretty quickly, okay? It's generally what an intelligence quotient is going to mean for how we're measuring it for the most part. Well, if I stick my hyperdrive with that conceptualization, suddenly I'm seeing patterns and how things might fit. And then I come up with a very interesting divergent idea of how something might relate to something else that someone else might not have seen. seen. Yeah. The last thing I'll tell you, though, is someone does that on who has ADHD or has that kind of thinking. They have to have a responsibility to help people understand how they got there. I see. Because a lot of times someone will conceptualize and say, wow, what about this and this? And other people in the room are like, I am lost. I have no idea how you got there. And that's important on the responsibility and say, no, let's follow it back here. And that sometimes can be a little monotonous and routine for someone with attention issues, but slowing themselves down and say, this is why I'm saying this can really help bring other people on the team on board and say, well, that's a brilliant idea. Let's go there. I'm a little worried because Sarah's smiling. (laughs) I try not to laugh. She's your laugh. She's your laugh. Well, this isn't the right time to laugh. No, I feel like I need a little more structure in this right now. But I keep hearing you say structure and routine. So something that seems to be a uh, theme. So folks with ADHD need a little more structure. That's interesting. So providing that in the workplace would be probably a helpful thing to do. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we're coming up to that time. 
I don't even know what that time is, but we're coming up to that time where we try to keep these short and consumable. This has been a great three episodes and really helpful. I hope, um, as I said, this has been the fastest growing listen to podcast. And I want to thank you for that. Any closing thoughts, James, on the topic and the series that you want to share? I would just say this topic, particularly within the workplace, is such a critical factor because there, again, one of the things is there's a lot of misattribution that occurs very quickly on the ADHD spectrum. Someone's assuming something about someone rather than asking them, you know, so that's a real key piece. But the other real aspect of that is the mental and emotional stress, which has been my theoretical orientation in my work in the field that you have to know how to monitor the emotional and mental stress that's spinning off of the diagnosis and how to take care of yourself because it'll run you over. I have, as I've said, a severe form of it. I had a closed head injury. I've been in drug and alcohol recovery for 35 years. And my dad's side of the family had schizophrenia. In it. I got plenty of mental health issues to manage. I manage them. Yeah. And I love what I do. And I've been doing this 34 years. And I just, you can get to where you want to be if you have a diagnosis of ADHD. You've got to personalize your life. You've got to understand what the ADHD is. You've got to learn how to meditate and center yourself. And you really, your skills and your gifts and all those things come into fruition with that. But you've got to learn to take care of yourself. Right. Well, thank you. And how about you, Sarah? Any thoughts or questions for James while we wrap up our final episode? No, I just really appreciate the insight, especially I'm a manager here and just interacting with my teammates and asking the questions like the when you were talking about you know when you're noticing behavioral or challenges and just saying like how do you manage your time how do you manage your to do to better understand their behavior and to help them with the structure that right. will get them to succeed and by the way when you're asking those things really keep the door open for things that are quirky and weird and strange and unusual they're not dangerous or harmful, but it's like, it's okay for things to be unusual or strange. Someone's like, well, on the left side of my desk, I always put the purple paper to make sure it's, it's like, that's awesome. A lot of times people with ADHD are a little reticent to share because some things are so unusual. It's like, no, unusual is good. It's unique, you know, and that's a fun thing. Yeah, it is. Well, my parting thoughts to the audience is uh, don't overlook the gems that you have within your team. And for those on the other side, seek to find answers to the questions you may have about things are repeating in your life. You know, seek out James, for example, you can find him at jamesochoa.com. I'm going to spell that. I know how to spell James because it's my first name. So that's going to be easy. J-A-M-E-S. O-C-H-O-A.com. That's James Ochoa. He's been terrific. I want to thank you for your participation in this whole series. I think it's uh, very relevant today and will be relevant going forward. And uh, I want to thank the audience for listening. You can find this podcast anywhere you find podcasts, Apple, Google, Spotify, Spotify, all those places. So yeah, and thanks for listening. This is Jim Ward. I'm CEO of Brain Cell. And this is the Growth Enablement Madness podcast. Let's get it. Thank you for listening to this episode of Growth Enablement Madness Podcast. I also want to thank Divinio Podcast for this episode's production and distribution. Finally, thank you to Sam Ward for our musical introduction and outro. Be sure to check out all of our episodes wherever you listen to your podcasts, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and more. New episodes are available monthly and cover all important topics for growing and scaling your business. 
Until next time, this is Jim Ward signing off. Let's grow. Let's grow.